1: This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails.
2: What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the
1: talent. Right, of course. Except, uh-huh. I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy
2: Benson Show.
1: stretch on this Monday. Glad to have you all here. GuyBensonShow.com for the free podcast every day. We mentioned this earlier in the hour with Bill Hemmer. That tonight is the national championship game for college football. I'll be watching out at SoFi Stadium, Southern California, Los Angeles, Georgia Bulldogs, and the Horn Frogs of TCU. And even though under most other circumstances I'd be rooting for TCU because I'm best friends with Mary Catherine Hamm, who bleeds Georgia red, I'll be pulling for the dogs. No offense to the TCU folks. And look, if an upset happens, an upset happens. And that's fun to watch. But this game comes on the heels of more excitement for Mary Catherine Ham. I know some of you guys have followed her career for a long time. If you've been a Fox viewer for years, you remember her during her roughly decade tenure on the air here. Often on the O'Reilly Factor. I think that was every week. Well, she has a new addition to her family. She just gave birth to her fourth child, her second with her husband, Steve. Her previous husband, Jake, had passed away. That's part of her story that you might or might not recall. You can look that up. She's written beautifully about it, but she's been married now to Steve since 2020, early 2020, and they have a daughter together and now a son. So welcome to the world, Cal, middle name John, which is named after Mary Catherine's father, and... I'll just say that Mary Catherine and Steve would have been very, very thrilled, of course, with another daughter. But I think they are extra delighted that they now have a son. There's a lot of female energy in that house. And now Cal is there to provide some reinforcements to Steve. Cal was born just before midnight, I believe, on Friday. So on the 6th, late at night, she and I had this fun joke going back and forth all week are we going to have a speaker of the house first, or is this baby going to be born first? Because he was late. All her other kids were early. He was late. And every day we'd get on the phone at least once, sometimes twice or more. I'd say, no speaker, no baby. No speaker, no baby. And then we got a baby and a speaker in that order in the span of about an hour, late, 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 Friday into Saturday. So I am overjoyed for them. I can't wait to meet Cal at some point, and everyone's doing great. Everyone's healthy, and I just wanted to give that shout-out uh, to my very dear friend, who also, by the way, does enjoy listening to The home stretch. She'll listen to the show on and off, given the news cycles, but I think she almost never misses an episode of Bonus Benson on the weekends. She wants to catch up on the nonsense, so she'll probably hear this, so I wanted to make sure that I got it in during a segment that she might actually hear. With that being said... I know that she listens to Bonus Benson on a regular basis, typically on weekends, because I get text messages that usually start with something like, oh, Christine, or good grief cookie, and I think that we might be in store for yet another one of those right now, because on Friday's show, just a few days ago, we had sitting right here in studio across from me in New York City, our friend and colleague, Kat Timpf. We talked extensively about Dry January, which Kat is undertaking with her husband. She explained why. She explained her philosophy, the way that she's going about it. And I planned on just sort of having a quick throwaway question about Dry January, and it turned into like a 10 or 12-minute conversation on that issue about her vape addiction and nicotine and then Dry January and just different things that she's doing for her health. And it was, I think, a really interesting segment. Because Christine, our producer here, was also doing Dry January. She tried last year. She made it 11 days in. She tried to pretend that was a success. And then she, you know, fell off the train and began her alcohol consumption again. And I felt like Kat almost gave not a direct pep talk to Christine, but Christine seemed riveted to Kat's words. Like she was really taking in some of this wisdom from Kat. The concern was that Christine had her mother's birthday party over the weekend. And I was wondering if she could make it through a Judgy Joyce centric celebration without drinking. Judgy Joyce doesn't drink, for the record, but some of the stress related to it might have caused Christine to slip. But I felt like this year might be different. Christine was listening to Kat, Christine seemed to have a more serious. Sense of purpose about dry January. She had Bobby, her husband, on board. So, I mean, this would be the first of a string of moments of truth coming back from weekends. This is our first opportunity to have a moment of truth. The first post weekend home stretch with producer Christine during her ambitions to execute a dry January. And, Christine,
2: how's it going? Christine's refusing to talk. She is holding out hard right now. I'm putting her mic on, but she's turning it right back off. She's refusing to talk right now. Well, Christine,
1: this is part of the the deal here. You talked about this. You kind of beat the drum on dry January. You hyped this up. People are interested. America wants to know. You might even say some people are counting on you, on your inspiration, on your stick and your perseverance on this issue They want to know how
2: it's going. She's still refusing to talk. And if you recall, I did say there was a 0% chance she would last through her mom's birthday. You did say say zero. Yeah.
1: And I gave her a higher chance than zero. I think I gave her like a 1 in 5 chance or maybe even a 1 in 3 chance. I had more faith in Christine. I've known her longer than you have, so I had a little bit more faith in her. And I'm sure that she has rewarded that faith and confidence. Right, Christine?
0: All right, I'll talk.
1: Ah, there she is. You got me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I held out for as long as I could.
1: I was expecting we we're going to have to ask you fifteen times and you'd finally answer.
0: So, I did well. I I think. Um, there was a cocktail. Okay, I'm. There was two cosmos. I think I told you one, but there was two, and that's it. That's all I wait, had. Wait, hang on,
1: on hang on. You say there were two cosmos in existence, or there were two cosmos that you consumed.
0: There were two Cosmos that I consumed on Saturday night. Okay. But, but.
1: Hang on, nope. Fox News alert. Seven days. Well. She lasted seven days. Last year, you made it a week and a half. 11 days. This year, you were even worse. And you had not one, but two cocktails. I sort of knew. I was trying to pull this out of you because I knew. And if you weren't going to talk, there's actually a text message from you. A confession. So it's not like pleading the fifth doesn't work when you've already confessed. So I was going to go to the text messages if necessary, but you were not fully forthcoming in the confession. There was a second cocktail. So uh, yeah, it's over. No, well, here's why even bother doing this. Why
0: even say that you're trying when obviously you're not trying? Well, yes, I am. And no, um, you're not. You're not. I, I mean, that was it. Nope, that- On that, Saturday, like, that's-
1: Two cocktails, one cocktail breaks dry January. Correct. Two is like, F it, we're and, going for it.
0: And I roped Bobby into it as well.
1: Oh, so you made him stumble too.
0: Yeah, he had two cocktails
1: as well. How did you do that?
0: Um, Power of persuasion, saying that we should do this together if we're going to do it. But can I tell you something? I had just meant for Saturday night. I, d- I meant we were going back to dry January- I went shopping for a little bit yesterday, came back, and Bobby's sitting with a beer watching football. Yeah, no, it's over. And that's what he said. I said, no, 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 we're still doing it. It was just a little blip.
1: No. Nope. It's over. So, Mm -hmm. you know, break open your finest box of Mama's juice. We're done here. Seven days. Would you consider this a success? Because last year you called 11 days a success. 11
0: days was amazing. So I wouldn't say it's the success that I had last year. No, but I mean a for effort? No. By short definitely. F. And can by You're I- putting
1: the F in effort.
0: Can I remind you of something? And by the way
1: there's two F's in effort just like two cocktails.
0: <laughs> can I just remind you of something in January of 2020. I attempted to do dry January and do you remember what happened to me? I got very very sick.
1: Okay. If you want to use perhaps early COVID before we really knew it was coming, I think while I was on my honeymoon, yes, as your excuse not to do dry January because alcohol needs to be in your system for you not to get very sick, if that's the argument, then don't pretend like you're going to do it.
0: Well, I mean, it's just a thought, an afterthought. Like, I think the alcohol disinfects things in there. So, (laughs) No. It, it's possible, don't you think? That's right. not how that works. Like, alcohol cleans yeah. things up a and little just, bit.
1: Thank you, doctor. Now, Dan, you are also someone attempting dry January. You believe that Christine had a 0% chance of succeeding. You were correct. Yes. Yeah, your, so- your low faith, your total lack of confidence in Christine has been totally vindicated. You were right. Did you stumble and fall the way that Christine did, or did you have some self-respect, some self-restraint?
2: So I held strong, and my significant other, two hours after the show ended on Friday, was trying to convince me that it's a good idea that maybe we did enough. It was one week, six days. We should just go out for some drinks. I was like, No, we are not. I'm holding strong. Wow. Mainly for the reason of the home stretch. Let's be honest. Question. Yes. Now that you've beaten her. Okay.
0: Well, I mean.
1: Oh, it's a it's a blowout. So you. And
0: also, I never stumbled. Saturday. You said I stumbled. There was no stumbling.
1: Oh, you stumbled on the path to dry January. Oh,
0: oh, oh. Okay.
1: No, no. That's two cocktails is not enough to make you stumble that way. <laughs> it's, you got a high, high tolerance. But, Dan, now that you've beaten Christine for the purposes of these exact conversations, next Friday or this coming Friday, if your girlfriend's like, hey, why don't we get a drink? Do you have the satisfaction of beating Christine and now you can kind of move on? Or are you committed for the full month still? I'm
2: committed to the full month. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I want to make her just look so bad. I want to go for the full month and just blow it out of the water. Yep. Let's do it.
0: I mean, we're supposed to be best friends, and that's your goal is to make me look bad? I think sometimes I do it enough on my own, don't right. you think?
2: No, she doesn't need any help. I need to find motivation, so that's my motivation. Okay. Like every day I want to have a beer or something like that, I'll be like, I have to make Christine look really you just, bad in this. Just
1: close your eyes yeah. and just picture a grinning cookie like a Cheshire yep. cat exactly. with two, like she's got like the beer helmet on, except it's Cosmos, with the straws coming directly into her mouth. That's what you envision, to hold strong. Yep. Solidarity, I'm with you. I had a few drinks over the weekend, but I'm also not doing dry January. I had a much drier weekend than I did throughout December. Same. No, but I was not an announced dry January participant unlike you. I wonder if Quiet Wyatt indulged in much alcoholic drinking while he was over in the UK and in France. We'll have to ask him when he's back tomorrow, Why? why has been gone for a while. Christine is curious... So I think we know our topic for the home stretch tomorrow as well. And at some point, I got to tell you guys about the musical that I saw over the weekend here in New York. We're, like, running out of time. So that was on the rundown, but we've got to punt it, so to speak, until tomorrow or the next day. And there was something else, too, that you wanted to get into, wasn't there?
0: Well, I just want to put it on the record. And I'm not, like, just, like, throwing Bob under the bus, but he broke just as quick as I did. And if he was, like, stronger about it, I think I wouldn't have broken.
1: Yeah, but you were like Eve and Adam and Eve. You were the one with the, you know, fruit of the poison tree, tempting him and pressuring him to do the wrong thing, and he did what Adam did from that biblical story. Hmm. If you remember that from the Bible.
0: Yeah, I do I do. Yeah. Um, well, I just so, you know, I'm back on it, so.
1: On the booze? No, we know, we know. No. We know. no. <laughs> and and the other topic that I now just remember that you also want to talk about was coming to the defense of Harry and Meghan. Now, we talked about with Martha McCallum earlier in the show. That should have been my tip-off. When you were telling us that you were, like, in tears watching Harry, I'm like, oh, she's definitely drinking again. So we'll get into all of that in due course over the week as it unfolds on The Guy Benson Show back in D.C. tomorrow. Thank you for listening, and have a great night.
0: Jesus drank wine. Cookie drinks Cosmos.
1: him stretch on the guy benson show as we are back if you're listening on the broadcast a little rule britannia action because well we'll explain that in just a second after we remind you that our website here guybensonshow.com podcast always free catch me tonight on special report on the panel back half of the next hour eastern time back half of the next hour coming up on fox news channel well quiet wyatt has been extra quiet on this program the last week plus because he hasn't been here. He's been on vacation. We've mentioned it a few times. He left before the New Year. He flew, if I'm not mistaken, on the friendly skies of United, from Newark to London Heathrow, spent New Year's Eve and then some in London, then got himself to Paris, also by plane, I believe, enjoyed Paris for the first time, and then hopped back on a United flight from Charles de Gaulle Airport to either Newark or Washington Dulles. Is that roughly correct, Wyatt?
3: Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay. I know that Christine has a million questions for you. I have some as well. We were chatting about it during our meeting. Right before you left, you sent me a text message. This was December 30th or so. You said, any big recommendations for these two cities? And I've spent a fair amount of time in each city. I sent you a pretty lengthy text message, first for London, then for Paris. Sounds like you took me up on some of my recommendations, not all of them. I mean, you've got many, hopefully, opportunities to go back and see more things Overall, ranking this trip on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being just, like, an amazing, incredible, exceeding expectations trip, 1 being a complete disaster, what score would you give
3: it? Oh, absolutely a 10++. plus. I mean, it was some of the best—and I know this sounds corny, but some of the best days and experiences of my life. Like, honestly— would do it again today, even though it was a lot. It was ten days. It was a lot of moving parts, but it was just some of the best times and some of the best food I've ever had.
1: Probably in France, I would imagine, right? <laughs> the the food part.
3: That's correct. The food yeah. was much much better in in France than in in uh in London,
1: because the one food recommendation I gave you for London, you ended up not being able to experience because. One day you went to that restaurant and there was way too big of a line. The next day it was closed, so you tried. That might have upped the U.K.'s food score as an Indian restaurant a little bit. France has fantastic food. There's no getting around that. I have like a bunch of more sophisticated questions for you, but I do have to ask you, since you've now sent a few texts about this, number one, there was a fast food-related question that you had for me. Like You wanted me to guess... Did you have fast food when you were in Paris or something?
3: Yes, I had fast food when I was in Paris, but it was uh, like I think everyone thinks of fast food to think of one place that is kind of like a thing that people do in Paris. But in both the UK and Paris, there was one fast food place that I kept seeing everywhere, and they looked like The the shops themselves looked so much nicer than any of this fast food chain I've seen in the U.S., hmm. and so I finally one night just broke down and went there because it looked so nice and new, all the touchscreen and everything, and, and so I wanted you to guess which one do you think that is?
1: Well, I feel like the cliche thing to do is to at some point get McDonald's in Paris, but based on the context clues, I'm guessing that's probably not it. No, not it. Huh. And it's like it's like a fast food, not a fast casual type place
3: no it's fast food and it's like a very much an american iconic staple of a place kfc correct yes they're everywhere 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 i kept seeing kfc kfc and they all are brand new so maybe they just did a rebranding out there but i had (laughs) kentucky fried chicken in paris which i know (laughs) sounds really bad but it was actually really really good and tasted exactly like you would get it back home
1: Okay. All right. And sometimes you just want a little taste of home. In fact, I remember when I was in high school, my dad had a business trip in London, and he brought me along, and we didn't, I mean, just English food, it's just not really known for excellent food. By the end of the trip, we were both pretty tired of the cuisine, so we went to like an American steakhouse. I think it was Mickey Mantle's, and just got like ribs and french fries and Coca-Cola. I was like, this is all I needed, all I wanted at the time. A little taste of home, nothing wrong with that. It was a long trip. The other little nugget that you had for me, Wyatt, that I'm Intrigued by. You said there was something memorable about your transit from London to Paris. What happened?
3: So I flew British Airways for the first time from London Heathrow to uh, the Paris um, airport. And I have to just say the airports there are just on another level. Like the security systems are all brand new, state of the art. You take your passport, you scan it. There's this, this machine that takes a photo, like a holographic photo of you. And you're like, you just get the gates open and then you're through customs it's it's very high tech we don't have anything like that here as in the u.s. as far as i'm concerned and the airports also i told christine they for some reason sell full bottles of alcohol like like literally full jugs of vodka in you know tito's vodka in the in the airport they have like you know like an alcohol uh uh, what do you call it
1: well duty-free i mean we we have that in the u.s. as well just don't tell christine about this because she's going to move to europe now she's like what Huge jugs of vodka in the airport. She's just going to, like, find a new career and move over there. So let's just keep that away from her for now. So now I'm even more curious <laughs> where this story is going.
3: So I'm just saying the airports there are just really, really nice compared to, I think, some of the airports here in the U.S. So I get to the airport um, on time. I always like to get there at least two hours before, especially in airports I've never been before. So I get on. We're on the plane. Everyone's getting on. Very spacious. Very nice. Um and all of a sudden, we're, you know, we're about to take off. We're, we're taxiing the runway and we're in line. You know, when you get in line on the tarmac and you can see like the line of planes, we're in line. We're literally seconds from takeoff. The captain comes on and says, we have to go back to the gate. There is a security incident with this flight. We'll tell you more when we get back to the gate. So we have to taxi back to the gate. All of a sudden, all these British police cars start surrounding our airplane. Whoa. And I'm, like, starting to panic. I'm like, okay, this is scary. Like, what is going on? They're not telling us anything. People are starting to, like, you know, really look around. Like, what is going on? And then they board the plane. British authorities board the plane. They escort this family off the plane with their luggage. They're now bringing canines on to do bomb sniffing of all the luggage on the plane. Wow. They're still not telling us anything. They're just, just all this is happening. And then all of a sudden they come back on and they're like, there was a security incident with, uh, you know, these passengers on the plane. It wasn't their fault. It was the airport's fault. They did not screen properly these passengers' um, suitcases. So they had to take them off the plane, take their luggage off the plane, and then they brought them back on and they brought their luggage back on. And then we... Back onto the air, and it, that was it. But it was about an hour delay, and they were, weren't saying anything, and it was just very, very scary because all of a sudden you just see all these, you know, police cars come up. They, they're all, you know, like their, yeah. Their when hats. you're on
1: an airplane and they've got bomb sniffing dogs sniffing around the thing that you are sitting on, that that's probably not a lot of fun. <laughs> Disconcerting to say the least. But they, I guess, ironed it all out. You got to Paris. A whole completely different experience. And I know that you checked a lot of boxes that you should. I was telling you, do touristy stuff. You're a tourist. You've never been to these places. Go to the Tower Bridge. Go to the Tower of London. Walk past Big Ben when you're, you know, in in London. Go to the West End. Maybe see a show. Go to the Eiffel Tower. Go to the Louvre. Go to Versailles. You know, and it sounds like you did a whole lot of those things. And do you feel like you had enough time to have a satisfying trip to both places? Not saying that you don't have a lot more stuff that you'd want to go back and see again, but Did you get enough to feel like you really did it?
3: Yes. And in both places, both Paris and London, especially in London, I felt like it only took one day for me to really understand the tube and Mm -hmm. the metro uh, system in, in Paris. Once you understand which way you're going and how it all works, it's extremely easy. And I just thought the tube was fascinating how it worked and getting from the airport to my hotel. I got lost once on the tube. I did like a full circle on the one line. And then I kind of figured out where I was going and got my bearings. And that's where I I used the whole time, whereas I went from one way to the other way around the whole city. And so I feel like once you understand how to use the transportation system, then you kind of truly know the city itself. And
1: And the tube is very efficient and it's a great way of getting around the city. I use it when I'm there quite a lot. Uh, Lastly, before we got Christine in here, You did all of this solo, right? You did a trip by yourself, and I just wonder, I'm not sure how much I would like that since I'm such, like, a social person. I usually go with at least one other person, whether it's, you know, Adam or, like, we're going to Italy uh, later on this year with a huge group of people, like 14 other people. I like traveling with people. You traveled solo here, not for business but for pleasure, on balance, was that an enjoyable experience or would you not want to do that again?
3: Yes. So I did meet up with a friend that I knew in, in Paris for a few days that knew Paris. So I, I kind of got a little bit of a touristy guide on that sense. But for the majority of the trip, I was alone. And I do think you appreciate things more when you are alone and that you you see things and you appreciate it more. And you look at things differently as opposed to being with a group of people or with a friend and, and you're, you're kind of just like going to the next thing. You kind of can sit there and wander. I told Christine I've done a lot of a lot of wandering on this trip where, where sometimes I would just, you know, just walk down a street in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. and just just look at things and see things and not feel like I'm on an itinerary of a plan or something like that. And I think doing that, like I said, you you appreciate things in a different way than you would if you were with a group of people or someone else. Like I think you, you see so he becomes things.
1: he becomes a worldly wandering Wyatt okay Christine I know you've got a thousand questions here we don't have a ton of time but why don't you get a few of them in if we have to extend this maybe tomorrow or something we can but prioritize your most burning inquiries first
0: well pip pip Wyatt and welcome back from across the pond did it sound c- close to what you were hearing over in London
3: a little bit I have to say that the, the mm. it, it The accents were were very, very distinct. And you would like, you know, as opposed to just hearing someone talk, you're hearing whole families talk in this British accent. So sometimes it was kind of jarring to look over and just hear a bunch of British accents.
1: And different accents because they can vary pretty widely. Same here, of course, right? Depending on where people are from. Uh, Go on, Christine.
0: Did you have the fish and chips in London?
3: Yes. And they were not good at all. Both times (laughs) I had fish and chips, it was pretty disappointing.
1: Oh, I should have sent you to one place. Next time, next time. All right, next.
0: Is the beer actually warm in England?
3: No, no. I, the beer I had, I think, was pretty cold. Or, I mean, not like ice cold, but like it was like, like not warm. No, at oh, some over- of
1: these pubs, Christine, they have the taps where the beer is normal and cold. They have other taps where it's like ale and it's room temperature, and that's gross, but you would have to specifically order those types. Most of it is cold.
0: Got it. Um, Wyatt, I don't know if you noticed. No, but um, the book Spare is out now about Prince Harry. Ugh. Do you feel now, since you were over there, an allegiance to what I and Meghan call The Firm, or are you more sympathetic to Harry after being there?
3: Mm, I, I, I'm definitely more on the side of The, the Firm or The Palace, as I did go past The Palace. And I think most people in you know, in London and in England, uh, like, you know, uh, appreciate the monarchy and appreciate the history and the culture. And I saw that firsthand and all the different I went to Westminster Abbey, the church where a lot of the weddings and different things have gone on. And I think it's it's fascinating to learn about. So I'm I'm not on Team Harry for sure.
0: Were you able to get to Notting Hill and did you possibly spot Hugh Grant anywhere?
3: Did not do either of those things.
0: How was the wine and the champagne in Paris?
3: So I didn't have any champagne, but I had a lot of wine, and the wine is very, very good. Like like top-line, really, really good wine that I've ever had. And I think that part of that is just, again, all the food I had in Paris was just fantastic. I did not have a bad meal at all.
0: Did you happen to find the equivalent of the Wall Street Journal over there? And how much were you also following politics over here? Because there was a pretty big story you missed.
3: I know. So I tried to unplug because I think it's healthy to do that every once in a while. I, I took my Twitter notifications off. I haven't watched Fox in several days. And it was a nice break, but I kept on tabs of a few things in my emails scrolling through. And I did find a few good newspaper shops. There was one in London, the the uh, Financial Times they had a store and and I made friends with the guy and I got a newspaper there and then when I was in Paris I would go to the news they have lots of news shops like it's not a thing here but a lot of people still consume the newspaper the old fashioned way in Europe and so I really appreciated that and so I partaked a few days. Well,
1: there's the uh, there's the International Herald Tribune. There's also the Wall Street Journal Global Edition. Wyatt, of course, I'm sure you're familiar with that. And I just want to say we should start planning major news events around Wyatt's vacations because Wyatt schedules vacations somewhere and inevitably not some minor story some giant political story breaks every time and he's like glancing at his phone on vacation but sort of like oh there's so much happening back home it's almost without fail we're out of time here Wyatt. i just have to do one last question while you were in paris were you ever confronted by or accosted by a mime and were you robbed and or mugged by a mime in paris
3: nope i cannot say i didn't even see a mime so i i couldn't say i I was
1: okay i just want to know because you know christine famously was robbed by a mime in paris and so i just want to make sure that somewhat hilarious crime did not befall you as well and it did not which is wonderful news thank you for sharing your travels with us worldly wyatt wandering wyatt now back to war wyatt as we continue our coverage here on the Guy Benson Show this week. Welcome back, Wyatt. Glad to have you here. Catch me on Special Report tonight. Back here on the radio tomorrow. Have a wonderful week. Home stretch from the Windy City on this Wednesday. I'm Guy Benson. Thank you very much for tuning in. GuyBensonShow.com. Free podcast. Every day on demand when the show is over, which is very soon. Before we go, I do want to tell you, about something very cool that happened over the holidays. I was off the air, had a week off, so we didn't discuss this on the air. But if you follow me on social media personally, at Guy P. Benson on Twitter and Instagram, you might have seen this. I just want to give you an update in case you had missed the whole thing or had missed the resolution. And I've been holding off until there was a fairly solid resolution, which came to, I think, a conclusion just last night. Here's the backdrop, and I've been working on this behind the scenes now for well over a year. We have family friends, my family does, who we got to know when we were living in Hong Kong. I was there as a kid, lived there for almost seven years when I was a child. My brother was born in Hong Kong, and at church, there was a family that we got to know pretty well. They have a daughter who's roughly my age, then a son who is roughly my brother's age, and our parents were close. The parents of this family, the mother and father, who are, I would say, roughly my parents' age, are devoutly religious people. I believe that he was a pastor. They might have been missionaries. I'm trying to remember exactly what their background was. But we knew them through the church in Hong Kong. And we stayed in very loose touch through the years. My parents were better at keeping up with them. I have not seen any of them in years. But my dad... Gosh, probably in 2020 or 2021, let me know that their son, their younger of two kids, we're going to call him for the purpose of this conversation, John, was a decorated combat veteran in the Marine Corps. And he had served multiple combat deployments in Afghanistan. During his second deployment, he was in an MRAP, and it hit an IED, And he was wounded. He had to be airlifted to a hospital. And he still has some after effects, including some hearing loss to this day, from that incident while he was serving our country. So he got honorably discharged from the Marine Corps, moved back to North Carolina, and started to make a small life for himself, a living, being, during the warmer months, a landscaper, and in the winter— Someone who would remove snow and plow snow. And this is a fairly Spartan existence. He is not making a ton of money. He does not live anything close to a lavish lifestyle. I think I'm really understating it here. But this is what he was doing. That is how he was making ends meet. And then around Christmas, two years ago, so Christmas 2020, he was plowing. It was freezing out. There was snow on the ground, heavy winds, and there was an issue with his snowplow, the truck. And he was trying to fix a wheel on the truck, and he accidentally got pinned under this truck in very cold temperatures. He was ultimately able to get to his phone and dial 911, but he was stranded for close to an hour in these temperatures. He could have died. He was suffering from hypothermia. Eventually, he had to get part of his hand amputated. The closest VA hospital, VA facility, was hours away. They needed to save his life, so they brought him to the closest hospital that they could. And the bill, after all was said and done, was almost $50,000. Right? So this is a childhood friend, served two tours, selfless, brave hero, Now in the private sector, running this one-man tiny business, almost died because of this incident. And because they couldn't get him to a VA hospital, just a mammoth bill dropped on his desk after all of this. He had no ability, and his family, no ability to pay for this. So they went to work trying to get that $50,000 or so reduced. They were able to negotiate a little bit with the hospital. It came down a bit. They reached out to their congressman, who did not respond at all. That is now a former congressman, by the way, who's been replaced. Madison Cawthorn, uh, there's now a new congressman in that district. Senator Tom Tillis, who's been on this program multiple times. I put Tillis in touch with this family. Tillis did his best to help, and his staff was involved in multiple phone calls. And ultimately, they reached the end of the road where they couldn't really do anything more, anyone right? All of the appeals to the VA had been exhausted. They weren't playing ball. The influence that Tillis or anyone else could exert reached an end of the rope. And John was looking at a bill of just shy of $30,000. Still, he'd been paying it back in tiny increments. He just can't afford it. I had suggested all the way back when this was first brought to my attention, a GoFundMe type crowdfunding event. I said, I bet you There are a lot of people in my audience who follow me on social media, who watch Fox, who listen to my show, who would want to help someone like this. And frankly, I just think it's a disgrace that someone who served our country this way could have an incident like this and be left high and dry the way that he was. We have government health care for our veterans, but because of these technicalities, it was like a hot potato that no one wanted to take. So I had said, why don't I grab the hot potato, put this out publicly, we can withhold his name and his face if he doesn't want to go that direction, and maybe we can get a good chunk of this paid for by patriots who want to help. And John is just a very quiet, private, humble person, and he hated, this is my understanding through my parents and through his parents, he hated the idea of taking someone else's charity. He believes in duty. He believes in honor. He believes in paying debts that you incur. He doesn't want other people's help. He felt like this is something, you know, personal responsibility, all of that. Plus, he wanted to really explore and exhaust all of the options available to him in terms of outside help, whether it was talking to the VA or intervention from politicians or what have you. Finally, when he did feel, I guess, cornered, Right up against that wall, he finally relented and, through his parents, said, "Okay." And I'm sure he, through gritted teeth, said, "I guess let's do it." Because look, he was staring at debt for years, years and years. To some of us, I, mean, I think to all of us, a twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine thousand dollar debt is enormous. To some people, it is absolutely crushing and debilitating and disruptive to the rest of your life. That's what he was looking at. So I said, leave it with me. I talked to a couple of people. We put together this GoFundMe. We have a photo of John, but his name is blacked out. His eyes are blacked out in the photo. And I just put it out on Twitter. I put it on my Instagram. I put it on my Facebook. And I asked a few of my friends with big followings to also help amplify this appeal. And the appeal concluded this way. The residual amount, nearly $30,000, roughly 27000 28000 remains well beyond John's ability to repay in any reasonable time frame without causing him financial and personal distress. I'm saying for a long time. Having exhausted all other options, I wrote, and with great reluctance, John and his family have finally accepted my offer to try to help with a GoFundMe on his behalf. He's whittled the amount down that he owes to approximately $30,000, but he's at the end of his rope. I'm keeping his identity private at his request, stemming from his reticence about accepting any charity at all. You have my word that he is a real person, an American hero, in need of help. If you are financially able and so moved, please help us remove this burden from someone who served our country with great valor and selflessness. It's the least we can do. And then I added this, finally, if we hit the goal, we will not expand it, and the goal is $30,000. I said, thank you for considering, and I put it out there. And this is where the story becomes, I think, incredible and inspirational. And by the way, I'm not using this segment to ask you for any money, to ask you to contribute, because I was off the air over the holidays when we were doing this, within less than 24 hours. It was about 22 hours from the moment that my very first tweet went out that this thing was live, the very first time I asked anyone to consider contributing. Within 22 hours, the entire goal was met. Hundreds of people, many of them strangers, donated amounts from five or ten bucks all the way up to a thousand dollars. 451 total donors, thirty thousand three hundred and five dollars raised in 22 hours. Then we shut it down as we promised. I told my parents they were blown away. They called their friends, his parents, John's parents, and gave them the news. They were apparently in tears, something of a Christmas miracle, thanking God first and foremost, and also expressing incredible appreciation to each and every one of those 451 people who donated. And by the way, I donated some myself to get the whole thing kicked off. So I've heard from them. I hear that John is in the process of writing a letter. I talked to John's dad last night. The bank transfer is now underway. And they are going to set up a meeting with the hospital to officially write the check, retire the debt, and set John on a new path, a debt-free path, after this terrible incident. And I wanted to share this with you not to make myself look good, like, oh, look, I did this thing. This is on behalf of this guy who earned our help. And now that it looks like it's finally been resolved completely— I wanted to not only share that little piece of good news, which I think really underscores the greatness of this country, the kindness of people, people want to help. I got multiple notes from people saying, a wounded Marine veteran who needs help, say no more. They took my word for it and they just sent a hundred bucks or whatever it was. I am confident that some of those 451 donors are members of this audience. I know that for sure. So if you were one of those people, I just wanted to on the air thank you personally. And if you missed the whole thing and you're just learning about it now, we're not opening it up. We're not asking for more money. Mission accomplished. Thanks to so many of you. In an incident that started in a horrible way, was a real trial and tribulation for this guy and his family for a couple of years. And then we collectively, as Americans, were able to give them a gift. And that is very satisfying. We are a good country filled with good people. And one of our best needed our help. And collectively, we delivered. So thank you. I just wanted to say that. Sometimes we have fun and do goofy, ridiculous stuff during this final segment. Not today. A little bit of a different home stretch. Back here tomorrow, same time, same place. I'm sure the home stretch will go back to preposterous tomorrow. You have my word. In the meantime, thank you for listening and have a great night. Home stretch. Friday Eve on the Guy Benson Show, GuyBensonShow.com. It's our online home. Podcast is free every day. Catch me tonight on Special Report. I'm on the panel end of the hour in the next hour on Fox News Channel. Well, if you're listening on the broadcast, we just bumped in with Bye, Bye, Bye by InSync. What was that, early 2000s, I want to say? Yeah, roughly at high school for me, if memory serves. I bring it up because last night I was at the Northwestern basketball game against Rutgers. Rutgers, very good. Wildcats been playing quite well in their own right. A big game. Two of the best defensive teams in the country. And it was a very physical battle. With Rutgers leading by 5 to 10 points almost the whole way, then Northwestern stormed into the lead at the very end of the game. Place was going nuts. Students were awesome. And it was the only home game I'm going to be able to attend this year. So uh, I was enjoying it. I was wearing my vintage Northwestern sweater because it was retro night at the arena. So they took the lead, and then Rutgers went on a little spurt at the tail end of the game to win it by three points. So a heartbreaker for the Cats. they got to bounce back here. But it was a fun experience. I wish we'd won. But I was, as I mentioned, decked out for this retro night experience. And they had old logos from various teams, including Northwestern and Rutgers, and then other Big Ten teams like vintage logos on the scoreboard. They even had an old mock-up of the old Lightbright style scoreboard that used to hang in the arena, actually, until just a few years ago, which was kind of fun. They had the old Big Ten logo with the hidden number 11 back when there were 11 teams in the conference. It was fun. It was a fun experience aside from the very last, literally last minute of the game and how that all went down. But at one point during a TV timeout, they put on the screen that they had put up for a vote on social media which retro throwback song people wanted to listen to. And I guess the students were primarily voting on this. They were basically asking these kids, because they're all, what, like 18 through 22 now, So they were all born in the 2000s. What oldies classic do you want to hear? And the golden oldie that they chose was Bye 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 by NSYNC, which doesn't really feel like it should be an oldie yet. It doesn't have an oldie sound, but I guess that changes. The definitions fluctuate over time, and what you think is contemporary music all of a sudden isn't so much anymore. I saw a meme recently where someone's like, you know you're getting old when a song that you used to like at the club is now a song that you enjoy hearing being played at the grocery store. (laughs) Kind of that sort of effect. I would have voted, by the way, for Hungry Like the Wolf. Duran Duran. 80s. That was one of the options. To me, that's more retro than in sync. It's just me. Christine, how old is this making you
3: feel?
0: Well, I am worried that I don't even think Hungry Like the Wolf is retro. So when I think retro. That was like, that was
1: what playing, that was a big popular song in your high school days?
0: Guy, no, I was in elementary school when that was being played. Uh, I was in college Mm. when Bye 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 was being played. Um, None of this seems retro to me. And yes, If you want me to say it on air, like always, I do feel old after hearing this segment.
1: I didn't want you to say anything. I just wanted you to tell the truth. Now, we were talking (laughs) in the planning meeting for the show earlier about various songs, and we were uh, poking some fun at President Biden. You might imagine sometimes that happens on our calls. And you recommended playing a song, which is a Prince song, a pretty famous Prince song. And then I made a joke combining that with another famous Prince song. And Quiet Wyatt, who is 22 years of age, oh. said he had no idea what we were talking about. He had not heard of either of these, I would say, mega hits.
3: Isn't that right, Wyatt? Well, let's just correct the record. I know Bye Bye Bye. Like, everyone's heard that song. and <laughs> I'm not saying you didn't know that. I'm saying you didn't know either of the Prince songs. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I know Purple Rain know that song? Oh, but I do. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> other, than, other than that, I do not know anything else. But, but something that I will add is that the only thing I know about Prince is when he died, it was a breaking news event, and I was in high school when he died, and I announced that to my class in, in history class. I was giving breaking news even in high school. So that's the only thing I know about Prince. You get off on that, Wyatt. It's like <laughs> I, I,
1: got to tell, I got to tell my class that Prince died today. <laughs> Little mini Fox News alert here from War Wyatt. I love that, actually. What were the songs that you... It was uh, Raspberry Beret you'd never heard of. What was the other one?
0: Little Red Corvette.
1: Oh, yeah, Little Red Corvette, because of the Corvette comment from, from Biden. That's what it was. You've never heard of those songs? Never heard of those songs. Do we have those songs? Can we pull those songs up?
3: Have you heard this chorus? Maybe I feel like it's coming back, but like I wouldn't know. I got. I don't know by name, but I feel like I've heard that maybe like you said, in like in a grocery store or something, but not oh like.
1: God. I mean, that it's checks
3: not... out. Do we have Raspberry Beret?
1: Any recognition there? Absolutely not. Nothing. Wow. Wow. Okay, so it's Retro Night here on the Guy Benson Show, apparently. And Wyatt is having none of it. Now, we did tease, heading into this, some fast food-related news. And we love a fast food story here at this program. And we have pretty strong opinions on it. Occasionally a hot take or two. Some disagreement, obviously. So I am very excited to share with you this nugget. No pun intended. Although this place doesn't have nuggets. An update involving In-N-Out Burger. Which is, for my money, probably the best regional fast food that I've had. It's out west. Although I will say Zaxby's down south, which I found out and discovered this summer, that gives In-N-Out a run for its money. But In-N-Out, delicious. I've made this clear before. It's their burgers and their shakes. The fries, garbage. Just cardboard. But the burgers are amazing. Everything's fresh. And for those of us out east, it's frustrating because you can't get it anywhere. It's all like Texas, I think, is maybe the farthest east so far. They've gone into Colorado. Of course, their home base is California. They're in Nevada, Arizona. I think other places out on the west coast, maybe Utah. In any case in and out is coming now to Tennessee. I believe this is the first time they have ever crossed the Mississippi River. And Axios reports that for fast food lovers, in and out is the holy grail. Middle Tennessee will now play a prominent role in the California-based chain's ongoing expansion efforts. They're going to have a massive Eastern Territory office in Franklin, Tennessee, with restaurant locations, quote, in and around Nashville. Starting around 2026, Governor Bill Lee, a Republican, announcing this. This is the first expansion of the chain east of Texas, so I was right about that. So a lot of jobs, a lot of restaurants, and then you have to wonder if they are creating an eastern hub, like a corporate hub for In-N-Out in Franklin, Tennessee, you'd imagine they're not just going to do that to open a very small handful of stores in that state alone. It seems like maybe In-N-Out has finally decided – that they can keep their quality control. That's always been their issue in terms of getting quality control at a very high standard with freshness and having the hubs to get all of their products to their stores in a way where everything is guaranteed to be fresh every day. I know that they were worried about expanding too far and too much, but if they're coming to Tennessee, that might not be the last domino to fall, and I'm just hoping that one of these restaurants ends up somewhere, somewhat near me. Not too close to me, I will add, because that could be dangerous for the waistline. I might need to like, double my Peloton regimen <laughs> if there's going to be an In-N-Out nearby. But when I saw the headline, In-N-Out Expanding East, I like read everything that I could about it immediately. So maybe you've heard about this, maybe you haven't. I know some people are part of this dead-end contrarian crowd who want to pretend that In-N-Out isn't any good. Christine is one of them, obviously, because just, frankly, she's wrong about most of these types of things, just like when it comes to personal taste. That's fine. You know, live and let live. But for the rest of us, the Holy Grail crowd, as Axios might call us, this is extremely welcome news. Now, Christine has had it, and she's underwhelmed. Why it you have or have not had In-N-Out?
3: Oh, I've had it many okay. times. It's right. very good.
1: It's very good. Now, you're a Shake Shack guy. I think they're somewhat comparable, actually. I like In-N-Out better, but I can see why you would like both. Dan, my understanding is you have never had In-N-Out.
2: I've never had it. It's, I've heard about it, and I've heard a lot of people love it. Um, I'm more of a Shake Shack person myself or like a mcdonald's or something like that but i've never had it you can't say
1: you're more of that because you've never had it (laughs) right you you can't rank them on a scale when you haven't actually consumed their product yet is it because you've never really spent a lot of time in california or when you're out there do you just not stop it in and out like what's going on here
2: well i used to go to la a lot for my old job um i've just never i'm not much of a fast food person i I don't Ah, go very often um i would try it for sure i mean i love a good burger you said the fries aren't very good no. And it's pretty bad, hard actually. to mess up fries, though.
1: I know. I, I I don't understand how they're so bad, given how good the burgers are. Fresh, never frozen. Very, very good service. That's sort of similar, I would say, to Chick-fil-A. They pride themselves on that. I'm just, I'm into it. I'm excited about it. How about this? If they end up expanding into, let's say, New York City, I will treat the team to In-N-Out lunch, now except we're for Christine, because she doesn't like that. Christine can can figure out her own meal. Maybe she could go get, I don't know, a nice steaming bowl of French onion soup for herself. But we'll be getting In-N-Out Burger, although my concern is, like when Chick-fil-A arrived in New York, there were lines around the block for weeks. I bet you that would happen here. So we might have to wait until the thing dies down. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Can you tell I'm excited? Ooh, just a double-double with those grilled onions, that sauce. Maybe an ice cold Coke Zero on the rocks. No fries. Thank you very much. Even if you get them well done and put all that sauce and cheese on it, it's just not for me. Hmm. Now I'm hungry. It's dinner time. But I can't eat yet because I'm up on special report coming up in this next hour on Fox News Channel. A lot of very interesting developments to talk about with Brett Bayer and the team. We will do so. Hope to see you there on TV. Back here for the Friday edition on the radio tomorrow. Have a great night. Stretch on this Friday. Happy Friday. Thank you for being here. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast free. Bonus Benson on the weekends. Catch me on Fox News Sunday. Sunday morning with Shannon Bream. I'm on the panel with the whole team. Five of us around the table looking forward to that. Well, Mama Mia, Christine is hosting a brunch on Sunday. It's not clear how many guests are coming. I think. Judgy Joyce is involved. Christine, what is this? Is this an extension of Judgy Joyce's birthday celebration, or is this something separate?
0: This is something totally separate. This is uh, a lot of family from New York don't get to come out often, so I'm having, you know, the cousins, some aunts, some uncles. Oh,
1: are these the Long Island people that yeah. always make you come to Long Island? Yes. are finally coming to Jersey?
0: Yes, So, they're finally coming to see the place, meet Rosie. They've never met Rosie.
1: Wow. So, they really don't come to see
0: you. Mm -mm. No. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but a lot of people that live on Long Island do not like to leave Long Island.
1: Well, it's a giant pain to leave Long Island. I Mm -hmm. call it the world's largest fire hazard. Like, there's one (laughs) way on, one way off. It's a nightmare to drive. I guess, you know, you could go by boat and ferry and that sort of thing, but. I've been to Long Island any number of times. There are some very nice places, some very nice people. But it is not exactly easy. And trying to exit via the city to go anywhere else, often a nightmare. Even when you would imagine the traffic wouldn't be bad, it's bad. So I can sort of understand that. But it's not like it's a piece of cake for you guys to travel from Jersey to Long Island and back either. So it feels like reciprocity demands that they come see you at some point. I guess it's happening on Sunday, so you want to make the best of it. It's a brunch. So what is that going to entail? Because you have said, I believe, in the past that you're not exactly a cook. You said Bobby's sort of the cook of the household – What do you have in store for these relatives? Well,
0: so this is the thing. Usually Bobby does all, you know, meals, especially when we have company. But I'm taking over. I'm doing the brunch because I feel like a brunch is something that I can handle. Mm. So I'm starting with a nice French toast casserole that I do the night before. And then you let it soak. And then you just throw it into the oven on Sunday. I'm going to do eggs, bacon, sausage. By the way, can I just say,
1: and this is is not a reflection. I'm sure there are people all over America listening to the show right now who say French toast casserole sounds like a gift from God above. But you know my position. Mm. On French toast, waffles, pancakes, I'm a strong no. I really dislike that entire realm of food. What? I call it, I believe, hot, wet sugar bread is how I describe it. And I have no interest. Like, I find it... Repulsive.
2: That's insane.
1: Even if I didn't hate it, it would still be not worth the carbs and calories. But I actually detest it, so it's easy to miss out on those carbs and calories. No thank you. But you're moving on to eggs. I'm much more interested in eggs, so please go on.
0: Well, the eggs were not the star of the show, and now you're making me worried. Because the eggs, I was just going to, you know, throw a whole bunch of eggs in a pan and, like— Twirl it around. Them? Yeah, I guess. Scramble. Scramble. Sorry. Can Twirl we... them around? <laughs> Wait, can we stop?
1: Can I?
3: Is that what that? you just called? <laughs> can we scrambled eggs? We're not fixing anything. Can we we're please stop that? We're putting <laughs> eggs
1: in a pan and twirling them around. Oh, boy. This is going to go well.
0: So now you're making me worried because I. These scrambled eggs. Mm,
1: good. Because that's Hold what on. I was
0: going to do with them. Scramble them. Scramble.
1: Yeah, always. Yep.
0: That was. Um, Not going to be the star of the show. The French toast casserole is the star of the show. No, I think most people would want
1: that and like that. I just, I acknowledge I'm weird in the fact that I don't like that stuff, but I personally don't. Maybe the Long Island relatives, like most people I would imagine, do.
0: Well, I mean, they always love a good, you know, gravy and macaroni. It is Sunday, but since it's a brunch, we're not going to do that. Um, Then I'm going to do, you know, bacon and... Uh, sausage and a fruit salad, but my mom loves you know a good coffee and cake like that's her her jam, might you say? Hmm. So I was like thinking, a
1: coffee cake,
0: right? But like, you know, like she loves like you know when you have like a dessert, like she likes a piece of cake and a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, like a baked good along with a coffee. Maybe some dunking can happen. That is a common thing that many people like. Not for me, but. Go on.
0: And I know I could just, you know, go support our local bakery, which needs the support. But I've decided that I'm, I want to do everything. So I'm going to make a cake. Mm. And I have enlisted Quiet Wyatt to help me because not only does he make balloon animals, not only does he read the Wall Street Journal from front to back, not only does he travel the world, Wyatt... Bakes oh, yeah, very a, very well.
1: He's a baker now. Are you having him come in to physically help you bake in New Jersey, or are you just getting some tips from him? Perhaps a recipe. Well, I'm
0: going to get a recipe, and then I just asked him earlier to please be around Sunday morning. To what? What Dan? Is that a lot to ask of a coworker? I feel like
1: maybe <laughs> there's some boundaries here that need to be respected. What boundaries?
0: We have boundaries. Well, the four I of mean, us.
1: One clear boundary is this is yet another gathering at your house to which I'm not invited. Like I, every I, gathering that's ever happened at your house, never been invited. Okay. Not that I would come to this because I have Fox News Sunday. That's the only reason, uh, plus, you know, the offerings, plus the person who's cooking. All that being said, though, what have you asked Wyatt in terms of help and has he provided said help?
0: So he, we decided, well, I thought it was a coffee cake. Wyatt, you said we've decided on a crumb cake?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what I call it. There's different ways you could make it with like a crumb. There's like a crumb bun, which is more of like a, a bun, and then they put the crumbs on top, or there's crumb cake, where it's like literally cake and crumbs, and then people do different iterations of it. But what I call it and what I like is just a good crumb cake with a lot of crumbs.
1: And are the I, crumbs made out of sugar? Is that right?
3: Sugar, cinnamon, and a lot, a lot of butter.
1: Okay. And this is something also that falls into the category of stuff I'm totally uninterested in. So I am I think generally picturing what you're talking about. But if someone's like, hey, would you like a big, healthy slice of this delicious crumb cake? I would say, no, thank you. I'll go over to a diner and get a nice omelet and some home fries if I'm feeling like breakfast. But this sounds promising, except, Wyatt, are you concerned about conveying accurately information that can then be properly synthesized and put into action by producer christine like maybe she should go down to the local bakery and get a crumb cake as a backup just in case there's a sunday morning disaster which is not i would say totally out of the question here
3: so i appreciate christine's farm to table idea of making (laughs) everything for this event um i will say in my past life at wyatt's bakery i used to actually ship my world famous crumb cake, literally all around the country. So, with a 24 hour notice, Christine, you can place a order of Wyatt's famous crumb cake at wow. wyattsbakery.com. com. And wait, is that still a thing? Not a thing, but it used to be.
0: Wait, can wait. I do it now? I mean, I have more than 24 hours till Sunday.
3: I I think I think you should give it a try. Give it a good college try, and I'll be there via text message your phone. Face By the time. way, I just
1: the- tried com and it's it's a dead link, which is disappointing. I was hoping to discover something like an elaborate bakery business that Wyatt's actually been running as a side hustle, but maybe one day. Sorry, I I interrupted here. What were you saying?
3: <laughs> so I'll have my phone on via text message, phone, and possibly even. FaceTime if you need.
1: Wow. So you are absolutely just obliterating any concept of boundaries. You're like, yes, please bother me on a Sunday morning.
0: Well, we're best friends. I mean, that's what you do. You're there for each other.
1: Are you going to have a backup from a store, Christine? No. I think it's a good idea. Mm -mm. A little safety net? Nope. Nothing. What happens if the whole thing goes down in flames?
0: I don't. They're know. never
1: coming to New Jersey again. You realize that, right? <laughs> if, if you don't wow them, they're in Long Island for the rest of their lives. I
0: don't, I don't think it's going to go down in flames. I, well, now you're making me nervous. I felt pretty confident before I started talking to yeah, you about you this. Yeah, but you often
1: have misplaced confidence.
0: What? what is that supposed to mean?
1: It means exactly what it sounds like. I just think it's important to have the occasional like, realistic reality check to make sure that you're contingency planning for the well-being of yourself, your mental health, and the enjoyment of your guests. See, I'm just being a friend, if uh, you think about it.
0: Well, I have, a, I have another friend question. Okay. Uh, do I serve mimosas this that Sunday? That
1: was my next question. Is there booze at this? I don't and know. My, I haven't my assumption had... was yes.
0: I'm still doing dry January, so I haven't... No, you're not.
1: You've already blown it. You've right. already done it, so it's over. No,
0: no, no. But I, that, besides those two drinks we talked about, I have not... <laughs> what, Dan? <laughs> I have not had another... I haven't had another drink since, so we're back on the hooch. Mm. I mean, we're back off the hooch.
1: Back off the hooch. But it's also been weekdays since your last drinks, right? You had drinks over the weekend. Here's another weekend coming. Right. I think the drinks are resuming this weekend.
0: Right, which is considered a damp January.
1: Damp January, which is what you're doing.
0: Yes. I've decided that's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. So if you're doing a damp January, then you can serve mimosas. I will say I'm also doing damp January. The difference is you and I – Announced different things. I was always going to do damp January. You claimed to do dry January and failed seven days in. This has been my plan all along. However, I will confess, my plan was to basically drink weekends only Friday and or Saturday, but probably just one or the other for the most part. I had a dilemma last night. Our neighbors threw a party. On a Thursday, I know, but the whole neighborhood was invited. They're kind of new to town. This was their first time they've entertained at their home for neighbors and so we went over there and they had some nice finger foods and they had really good booze they had some very nice wine but it was a thursday it wasn't really in alignment with my rules that i was setting out for myself for the uh for the month of january so i wasn't sure what i was going to do was i going to have a few drinks so I actually talked about this with Brett Baer. <laughs> I was on the special report panel last night. He and I ended up in the elevator together afterwards. He was heading down to his car. I was heading home. And somehow this came up. And I think it's okay for me to tell. I can tell this, right?
0: Of course you can.
1: Come yeah. on. So we'll we'll Brett, keep your secrets. Yeah, Brett. No, this is yeah, big, big secret on national radio. Brett enjoys a cocktail from time to time. In fact, we've talked about it on the air. His seasonal cocktails, the man likes to drink. So, so do we here. So I asked him about this, and he said, oh, well, I'm definitely not doing dry January. And I sort of made reference to the quasi-dry January, and he said that he would probably describe his January as drenched, (laughs) which I think is great. (laughs) Christine, you should commit next year to drenched January. I feel like that's something that you could actually Uh, deliver on. It
0: was a drenched December.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's sometimes the problem. So I felt like him saying that gave me a little permission slip. So I did have two drinks at the party last night on a Thursday. So I think in order to make up for that, I probably won't have a drink on Saturday.
0: Interesting. Well, you got to give yourself a little grace. I just know I forgive you.
1: Well, I will sleep well tonight in that case, although I will be very concerned for your guests for this brunch on Sunday, especially if there's no backup plan. It's like cookie or bust. Hopefully it goes well. You'll have Wyatt available by FaceTime. Please do not call me because I'll be on Fox News Sunday on set. That would be very embarrassing. Like, oh, this is my radio producer. She probably has an issue with her crumb cake. I just can't do that. Even lovely Shannon Bream might frown upon such things. So good luck, Godspeed. Hope it goes well. Maybe we can get an update on Monday when we're back here together on the radio. In the meantime... Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Dry, damp, drenched, whatever you want to do. Always drink responsibly, thelongdrink.com. Back
2: here Monday. Have a great night. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to guybensonshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.